In a moment, Zoe's going to come and bring us the words. I'm going to read it out for us today. So if you've got a Bible with you, if you want to turn with me to the book of Luke, and we're in chapter 24 today, beginning at verse 13. And this is what it says. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and they discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deeds before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then... Some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going a little farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us along the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those, who, and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and he has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the breads. Let's pray together. Father God, we do thank you for your words. And we thank you, Lord God, for what you tell us in it. We thank you, Lord God, for how you speak to us. And you change us through your words. And we pray for Zoe this morning as she brings your word to us. Help her expound these scriptures, we pray. May it be you who we hear from today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning.
for those of you that have been with us over the last few weeks, you will know that we are working through a sermon series focusing on the journeys that we find in Scripture. And for a sermon series all about journeys, today we have struck gold. We have a journey where the risen Christ himself walks with two companions along the road. They encounter him through conversation. And this is quite incredible. The journey I want us to study this morning is simply this. How the two companions walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus go from being closed to being open. From being despondent and downcast to full of hope returning back to Jerusalem with almost a spring in their step. They were kept from recognizing Jesus, but then we learn that their eyes were open and they see him, the risen Savior. And I sense this morning that God is asking us this question. Are we really open to what he has for us as a church? As we're setting off on this journey, discerning what our vision is, are we open or are we closed? And you may be wondering, what gives me this impression that they are closed to begin with? Firstly, we see them heading out of Jerusalem. They're leaving the place where all the action is taking place. And they start divulging their unfulfilled hopes to a man who starts walking alongside them. They tell this traveling companion all about this Jesus of Nazareth. They crucified him, they said. He was a powerful prophet in word and deed. We learn that their faces were downcast. They had hoped. Such a key phrase that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And they discounted everything. But what fascinates me is the timing of their journey. They don't startle after the events of the crucifixion. They don't give up hope on the day that Jesus was nailed to a cross. They don't give up hope on the day when his body was laid in a tomb. They wait three days and we wonder if they knew the scriptures and we read and learn that the timing of their journey from verse 21, says, what is more, it is the third day since this all took place. But what keeps on amazing us is they keep explaining. In addition to all of this, some of the women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning and didn't find the body. They came and they told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that Jesus was alive. And then some of the companions went to the tomb to find out for themselves. And they saw what the women said was true. The tomb was empty. Jesus' body wasn't there. But they did not see Jesus. And it's at this point that they choose to leave. They were closed off to the possibility that the resurrection was true. So they left. They were hesitant at the announcement of the empty tomb. So they leave the city of Jerusalem. And I wonder what their thought process was. Why that moment? Why then? Surely not the nailing of the hands to a cross. 
And the gospel account tells us that they were walking along, wondering about everything that had happened. You wonder if they said to each other, did someone steal the body? Are these women crazy? Should we trust them? Was this part of a wider conversation that took place that day? Did they all agree to give up and go home? Did Peter say, I'm off, I'm going to go fishing? So that was the moment they decided to leave. We don't know what conversations happened that day, but I think we can wander along with them and ask ourselves, what would our reaction have been? But the striking thing is that they'd given up hope. They were closed off to the possibility of Jesus being alive and resurrected. The point of defeat in the believers' minds wasn't the death of Jesus. It was witnessing an empty tomb. There was no body to account for the brutality of the days that they had witnessed. Their hopes for the one to redeem Israel were over. And they were closed to the possibility of meeting the resurrected Christ. So they left Jerusalem and are walking on the road to Emmaus. And I think that's quite poignant for us to see because it's at that moment that Jesus himself comes to walk alongside them, but they don't recognize that it's him. And it's puzzling because it's not that they just don't recognize Jesus. We've probably all experienced times when you see someone you know in a different context and it takes you a moment to place them. I think a great example of that is my sister is a primary school teacher and she loves to tell us stories about how the children in her class see her outside of school and they almost don't realize it's her. They get so excited because they think she lives in school that then when they see her in Sainsbury's, they come back to class and go, oh, I saw Miss Lane in Sainsbury's. And they're so excited by that. But here, it's not that they don't just recognize it's Jesus. They're kept from recognizing him. And I wonder why that's the case. What is going on here? Are they closed because of their unbelief, because of their hesitancy? Is it something about us actively engaging a will to intentionally see where God is at work? Is it a partnership between us and him? Or is there a work of the Holy Spirit going on here that stops them from recognizing Jesus? And I think whatever the case might be, the practical outworking is it's really hard for the two believers walking along this road to see Jesus for who he really is. It's hard for them to see Jesus for who he really is. They are closed off from the possibility of this miraculous story or events being true. And I wonder this morning if anyone here is feeling just the same. You find it hard to see Jesus for who he really is. You're closed off to the possibility of having a relationship with him. You're hesitant that this story is true. And I wonder this morning if the Holy Spirit will begin to prompt you as I'm speaking, sharing now how Jesus opened up the disciples' walk with him, whether that will be the same for you too. Because we see Jesus open up their emotions, the scriptures, and then their eyes so that they can see him. We see Jesus open up their emotions, the scriptures, and their eyes. And I think he does that 
very simply by asking one open question. He asks them so innocently, what are you discussing together as you walk along? I love that. Jesus is the master of the art of conversation. We've got so much to learn from Jesus, haven't we? But how wonderful is he at asking questions? I want to be more curious in this life. And one way we can do that is curiosity is bred by asking questions. We've got so much to learn from one another. What's the answer to conflict? It's being curious about where the other person might be. What's the answer to the pursuit of knowledge? It's asking more questions. And it's a gift we see in children, isn't it? Parents with toddlers, you probably know this. They ask you why, why, why all the time as they're forming and shaping the world around them. Jesus simply draws alongside them and asks an opening question. What are you discussing together as you walk along? Genius. Remember, they don't know it's Jesus at this point, and he asks to join in their conversation. And this stops them in their tracks, and it shows just how remarkable this question is. They almost reply, where on earth have you been? Do you live under a rock? Cleopas asks, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened in the last days, in the last few days? Can you hear their exasperation? And then Jesus just replies with another question. He says, what things? And through these opening questions, Jesus becomes aware of their emotions, for their desperation comes out. Their circumstances are spoken out loud. And it's fascinating. From this place, this then leads Jesus to explain or open up the scriptures in front of them. Potentially the best Bible study that you could ever be part of. Oh, how I would have loved to have been there. Where Jesus, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, explains to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. And afterwards, they're left asking the question, once they realized that it was Jesus all along, how did we not know it was him? Were not our hearts burning within us while, we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened up the scriptures? We're kind of left to put together those passages of scripture that Jesus might have been referring to himself through. All these references in the Old Testament. And I think it's just like Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He's giving an account for the resurrection. And he says that it was all there in the scriptures. And he repeats the same phrase, according to the scriptures, multiple times. Christ died, Christ was buried, and Christ was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. But these disciples had to see it to believe it. I think sometimes we pick on one of the disciples named Thomas and nickname him Doubting Thomas because he didn't believe that Jesus had been resurrected until he saw him, touched his hands. But he wasn't the only one that needed this proof that Jesus was alive again. All scripture points to this moment in the journey, Christ's death, his burial and his resurrection. 
And we're beginning to see how the disciples are becoming more open to the possibility of the resurrected Christ. What I'm fascinated by is how this openness comes about, where the shift in the passage might be. And I think the vehicle for their change in their approach is the mode of hospitality. Because if I asked you a question this morning, where do you see hospitality in this passage? I wonder if most of you would go straight to the moment where they are urging for Jesus to stay with them. Stay with us, they say, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. Come into our home, Jesus. And although this is wonderful and it's pivotal for them encountering Jesus, their eyes being opened and they see him, that moment where Jesus breaks the bread and gives it to them, provoking potentially a memory in them. It hit me this week that the moment of hospitality comes much earlier in the passage. Who is being hospitable? Is it the traveling companions or was it Jesus himself? I think it's fascinating for us when we look, because we've spoken as a church before about hospitality and how the Greek word for hospitality is approximately translated as love for the stranger. So who in our story embraces the stranger? Who is open for the stranger to interrupt their journey? Who plays the role of guest or host? And I think we see that role interchange, don't we? Jesus hosts them by asking brilliant, open questions that allows Jesus to be a guest in their desolation, in their emotions, in their despair. But they host the open road and they allow Jesus to travel with them. Because this was an unknown man to them who interrupted their conversation. They were open to his teaching, to his direction, and I find that quite remarkable. Because if we were to ask the question, what would have happened if the traveling disciples didn't allow Jesus to be part of their conversation? This story would have ended so much differently, wouldn't it? If they remained closed, if they responded, who are you? Does it matter what you think? Please just let us carry on by ourselves. They would have missed out. They hosted someone they didn't know by allowing him to walk with them and they listened to his teaching. Jesus was a guest on their journey, yet a host who in his presence opened up their eyes so they could see him. And I'm reminded <clears throat> of this verse in Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 2. And it says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. <clears throat> Some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. And how true was this in this scenario? Through their hospitality to a stranger, <clears throat> excuse me, they hosted the risen Jesus. I think that's amazing. They saw firsthand the resurrected saviour because they hosted someone they did not know. 
And today I think this has huge practical outworkings for us to wrestle with. Because the fast-paced life that we live doesn't really allow us to be very open for hospitality or interruptions. Unwanted interruptions are just that, aren't they? They are unwanted. You only have to observe kind of behavior in a supermarket where it's now possible for us to go shopping and not speak to anybody at all. Or how if you sit on a bus, you might listen to your headphones so you don't have to speak to the person next to you. Radical hospitality is living counter-culturally. So the question for us this morning then is, are we living life with an openness to include others? A warmness of embrace to the person who might be unknown to us. There's a question about hospitality. How hospitable are you? And I don't just mean how often do you invite people into your homes, although this is great. But if we reduce hospitality to just hosting a meal with our friends, then we're missing out. They embraced a stranger and they met Christ. Christ journeyed with them, meeting them in the company of others. So today, as we're thinking about this being a shared journey, we're asking how open are we to walking with others? How are you doing at hosting the presence of God and then extending that to others, others in your life? How open are you to starting new relationships, to meeting new people? How open are you to walking with others, letting people speak into your life, asking the difficult questions at times? Today, we're launching Inspire Groups, which is what we're calling intentional friendships, where you agree to walk with others, like friends today on a road to Emmaus, pursuing to find Jesus in the company of others. And I hope that what we've seen in this passage this morning will encourage us to be open-minded to who we choose to walk with, knowing that we all have something to learn from somebody. Even the most unlikely companions might lead us to encountering Christ. The easy thing for us to do might be to pick friends that we are already have an established relationship with. And although this is great because we need to trust people to be vulnerable, to invite them into our lives, here we see the call for us to embrace those who we don't know yet. And Luke will explain later how we're going to resource each other to ask questions of faith. How we answer the question that Jesus asked. What are you discussing as you walk along? Let it be matters of faith, a real life, our real emotions, the scriptures, as well as us, our eyes being opened to encounter Christ more. But I think there's a second question too <coughs> for us to ask about this journey that God is taking us on as a church. As we're meeting monthly at the moment to look back, to ask what God is doing amongst us at the moment and where he is taking us next. Is are we open, truly open for all that God has for us? How open are we to being led by the Spirit? 
If God is calling us to be an open and a hospitable church, what might that look like? I wonder if it looks like a church full of host team members, official and non-official. People who seek out new people and include them in our journey and helping them find a place to call home here. I wonder if it looks like life groups who are open to new members or moving to create new groups or halving so that others, there's space for others to join. Is it a church who plants elsewhere, releasing members to resource to go and do that for the benefit of the stranger, for those who don't know Christ yet? Does it look like an inspire group of three, inviting a fourth, extending an arm of friendship? Does it look like joining the soup run kitchen preparation team or the team that go out and give out the food and pray with our prayer pastors so that the hand of a stranger might be fed and given an opportunity to encounter Jesus for themselves? Whatever it looks like practically, I do believe this morning that God is calling us to be open, open to what he might have for us. Because closed companions at the beginning of our passage were heading off in the wrong direction. Their hesitancy would have made them miss out. Because what we see at the end of the passage is that their journey had been rerouted. They see Jesus face to face. They recognize him for who he is, for that meal they shared together, the practice of taking bread giving thanks for it and breaking it and giving it to them? Did they see his hands for the first time, the nail-pierced hands? Or was it just the familiarity of that practice that jogged their memory? Whatever happened, their eyes were opened and they changed the journey that they were going on. They got up at once, returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11. They were listening to each other's accounts of of seeing Jesus again. Simon Peter was sharing, and then they joined in and said, this is what's happened to us. It's true, isn't it? Jesus is alive. They're now ready and poised and open for the task that Jesus has for them next. The end of Luke's gospel ends with them realizing that Jesus is alive, and then he continues in Acts As we hear the instructions, wait in Jerusalem. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Are we poised, ready and open for the task that God has for us? They were open because they realized the tomb wasn't closed anymore. The tomb was open. Jesus has risen. The empty tomb, the empty tomb opens things for us. So are we closed or are we open for walking with others and for what God has for us next on this shared path, this shared journey that we are going on? So let's ask that question again. Are we ready? Are we open? I'm going to ask the band to come up and then we're going to pray and Luke's going to help us think through our response. Risen Saviour, this morning, we invite you to come and to meet with us now. 
where we might be hesitant or even close to meeting with you. Come and meet us in our desolation, in our questions. And Holy Spirit, we give you permission this morning to come and to examine our hearts. Where have we been closed off to you? Help us open our eyes to see you, to see Jesus for who he really is. And Lord, I want to pray for the start of this journey that we are going on as a church, for the launch of these Inspire groups. Help us to meet with one another, to go deeper in our faith with you. Lead us on, Lord Jesus, as we walk closely with your spirit. Birth a gift of hospitality in this place, Lord Jesus, we pray, to change and to transform our communities. Come and be the host and our guest now, Lord Jesus, we pray, as we respond to your word. In Jesus' name.